Okay, praise the Lord. Well, good morning all. And I mean all. (laughs) Good to see you all. And uh, I can see young families, children, and uh, what a blessing it is, especially as we come around this this morning to dedicate uh, babies and children, young children, uh, to the Lord as we will proceed later in our service. But we're going to look at the Word of God this morning. And we're going to establish God's word in relation to that which we will proceed with in the dedication of the children uh, a little later. Let's turn, if you can, to Psalm 127, a familiar psalm, Psalm 127. Now, I'm not sure of everyone's understanding, but let me preface before we do proceed. We're having a child dedication service, and so um, in the midst of it, there are some aspects of some formalities that will take place. But let's be honest and let's be clear that um, a dedication as such is not a, it's not something that is you know that coexists along with you know out there we have christenings and we also have water baptisms um, and water baptisms are biblical they are instructed and commanded of the Lord but let's be real in terms of a dedication it's not a direct commandment or instruction that we find within the scriptures but that doesn't negate the fact of what we're going to do this morning. And so we find in the Bible that Jesus on the eighth day, according to the law of Moses, being the firstborn male child, he was dedicated in the temple. We understand also other scriptures where Jesus in his ministry uh, had the children come to him and the disciples were a bit agitated and, and saw them as a hindrance. But Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. And he laid his hands on them and blessed them. And so there is a significance to blessing the children, as we will proceed and as we'll see also in the Word of God this morning. Now, the word dedication carries a couple of aspects that, we, that really centre and make up what we're going to consider this morning. Uh, obviously, we come here to dedicate the child to God. Praise the Lord for that. And so that is one aspect of the dedication. And I say it's one aspect because it's one side of the coin. We are dedicating this child. We are consecrating it. We are setting it apart to God and dedicating the child to God. But at the same time, we are also dedicating ourselves as parents. We are dedicating ourselves unto God to dedicate over the course of the child's life that we ourselves as parents will ensure that we will lead by example, that we will teach them and show them Christ, that we will dedicate ourselves to God in order to be all that God requires of us in order to raise the children that God in his grace has given us. And so these are the two aspects. And really as you consider these things, the issue of child raising is a very serious issue that is of substance because it is a huge responsibility. Can you say amen? I have four children. 
my wife is obviously not here. She's busy, maybe preparing. And, and, um, and so um, my eldest is 21. My youngest is, what, 14? And so, um, uh, so I know some of the challenges and the challenges that are still enduring today. So I do have something to say in relation to these things, but I don't have all the answers, but God does, amen? So we thank God that he is in control. But let's face the facts. The raising of children is not a simple task, amen? You see, there is immense responsibilities that are associated with parenting and raising a child that relate to our commitment that relate to our nurture, that relate to uh, um, our discipline, that relates to us to, to having to endure in patience and long-suffering at times as well as children grow up. It doesn't matter how old they are, amen, they're still your children, true? So they might be, uh, they may even grow up to be uh, adults and, and they'll, have, uh, they'll pursue their destiny, but still, nevertheless, they'll always be our children. So there's much involved. And I want you just to consider with me because this is God's design that I want us to understand. You see, God created marriage. He created family. He created the whole context of child raising. And you see, one of the things that is paramount in this and one of the things that is observable is that the whole issue of marriage, one, and raising children, two, is designed by God to break the egoism of men, especially for males, and uh, the selfism that we live in in the world around us where the, the message is it's, it's all about you. It's all about me. It's, you know, the, the, whole, the, 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 the whole phrase, it's me, myself and I. And that's the world and that's the message that the world portrays and promotes. Uh, but I tell you, once you get married... And once you have children, that is completely broken. Now all of a sudden, I live not for myself, but I live for another. And we understand this obviously in different ways for a female who's a mother. Uh, She has all the God-given qualities in which she is uh, provided by God, in which she lives a selfless and sacrificial life from the moment that child is born in a manner that we men do not understand. I grant that. But nevertheless, uh, and uh, all of a sudden, their whole life is now entwined uh, and devoted uh, into raising that child. In the same way, a man, is uh, 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 he has to now uh, support, he has to provide. He has to lead. He has to set a course for, as God has ordained him as the head of the home to lead his family. And so together, as husband and wife, as father and mother, they have the challenge before God and responsibility to raise children. And when you think of it in that context, uh, you begin to see that it is a wonderful thing, but it is also a very serious thing before the Lord. And one of the sad things we observe in life is that when that egoism or selfism is not broken in a marriage or in a family, how families can be destroyed. 
how destru- the destruction that we observe in the world around us where, you know, father's too busy doing this and even in the world around us today, women are too busy doing that because uh, they will not make the sacrifice and the commitment that is required of God to make the, that lays the foundation, let's say, for success in parenting. So it requires dedication. Dedicating the child, dedicating ourselves unto the Lord for this purpose. And so, this is God's design. It is, it is meant to be a blessing and it is. Amen. Even though uh, there is uh, immense challenges that are before us. So in that context, let's read the word of God in Psalm 127. The Bible says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, before we go to the scripture itself, again, I just want to bring your attention to the issue of posterity. See, posterity has to do with the future generations that we, having now been married, will produce. And when you get married and when you, uh, uh, you know, when uh, the wife becomes pregnant and you're expecting your first child uh, and, uh, and all that goes with it, uh, we begin to realise that there are, we want to set a course for ourselves. I want to be successful in this. I want to do what is right before the Lord. And so, because, you know what, I want to raise up my child the best way I can under God's word, uh, with the blessing and favour of God, because it's, it's so important that I put in them the foundation of Christ, that they have, their minds are filled with the word of God, that they see what God requires of them, so that when one day they step into the world and they step into uh, their, their individualism and move on, that they themselves would seek and serve the Lord for themselves. And so then we know that they will have children. And so it's what we put into them that will ultimately begin to play itself out in their children. And so our posterity is of great concern. And I have no doubt that we've all thought about this, okay? Let's be honest. Especially when you first get married or when you're, first ex- you're expecting your first child, uh, it's interesting because we're all the same. We all have our thoughts, We all have our opinions. We all have our experiences. We all have our ideologies, how we're going to go about this, what we're going to do, what's the the path that we're going to take. And I'm not saying that there's one path in a sense. I mean, Christ is the, the way, the truth and the life, but I understand there are diversity amongst the unity. But you see, we have all these ideologies. This is how I'm going to do it. This is what we're going to do. And it's all mapped out. And then you give birth and you have your first child and then reality kicks in. Okay? And the challenges that are uh, put before us in the course of life are real 
and we work through them. But you see, it's hard work. It requires a lot if we're going to produce, by God's grace, a posterity that will see the generations that will come forth from us be blessed. And not only that, let's face the fact that we're dealing with serious challenges. We live in a world that does not like Christians, that does not like Christian families, generally speaking, that does not like the Word of God. And so we have an enemy that is uh, consistently at work to undermine and to challenge and try and seek to steal and to kill and to destroy is exactly what Jesus said about the arch enemy himself, uh, Satan. So let's not be uh, fooled. We have an enemy and he is the prince of the power of the air and he has his influence through principalities and powers of darkness uh, in the world in which we live that find their expression in nations, uh, in governments uh, and uh, it filters through in various ways uh, and through various functions uh, in the school system and, uh, and whatever else goes on and it all is pumped and it all is geared to try and undermine the reality of what we're dealing with because we are trying to set a course and the whole world is trying to work against it. That's the truth. We have the issues, especially in the day in which we live, of socialism and communism. They want to tell us how to raise our children. The whole system is geared to undermine the authority of families, uh, of parents, uh, in relation to their children. So now, at the time of 12, 13, they can confide this, they can do that, they can have the freedom to do this and do that, and it's absurd. But these are the realities, these are the challenges. I have four kids that I, in my situation, they have gone through the public system of school. And, uh, and that has provided its own challenges, as every path does. And at the end of the day, we've had to process and work through these things uh, uh, because they are a present reality. Social engineering. They want to tell, again, the whole world wants to tell us how, and how we need to, what values we need to have, how to train, what we can and what we can't do. They want to pass laws. You can't discipline your child. So the system, the world system, is out to undermine everything that we're trying to achieve and uh, fulfil in our obedience to God. And so we as Christians, we're determined to fight. We're determined to say no. We're determined that we're going to practice and preach the word of God. We're going to stand uh, as, the, as the scriptures tells us. And this is good and proper and this is what we need to do. But you see... It's, it's a lifelong journey and it's a lifelong battle. Amen. You see, my wife continually over the years has said to me, because I'm very st- strong, I guess, uh, uh, and dominant in the way in which I go about things in the home, if I could put it that way. But my wife... <laughs> my kids are going there. My wife... Um, is, a, uh, is, a, is God given? Amen. Thank God for my wife. But she says to me, she says, Gary, I didn't give birth to Christians. Right. <laughs> and I like, yeah, okay, yep, yep. But it is true, isn't it? 
And let's face it, we have the whole issue as we've just looked at, the world and the systems and everything that's out there, spiritually speaking, and yet we understand that there's another facet to this equation, and that is, as my wife has always said, we, I didn't give birth to Christians, and so because we find very quickly that children have an innate sinful nature. So not only is that we are battling th- things on the outside, we now have to contend with that which is on the inside. And that provides challenge. You know, people say, oh, my child's different, yeah? (laughs) My child, I tell you what, every child is born with the same Adamic nature. And we all have it, and children will manifest it. And you don't have to teach them. And so then that becomes a challenge. And we now we have to navigate through that. We have to work through that um, uh, in our training uh, of them before the Lord. But you see, uh, this issue of the sinful nature is something that we, we constantly have to deal with throughout the course of their lives and train them so that they, when they're older that they would understand what it means to walk in the Spirit, to obey the Lord and to serve Him wholeheartedly and faithfully because not only is the world their enemy, but their own nature will betray them in a moment. So after saying all this, everyone's saying, gosh, Pastor Gary, I thought you were going to encourage us this morning. (laughs) But I've done this deliberately to give us a snapshot, if as it will, of the reality. And it is, it's the reality of life, it's the reality of the world which we live in. It's the reality of, uh, of the Christian, the parents, and that which we have to endure and persevere and work through if we're going to uh, raise a Christian family. So, this brings me to my text because this is what it comes down to. We need God. We need God. I, uh, we, uh, if we're going to succeed, at the end of the day, we have a role to play. I grant that. I understand that. But at the end of the day, we need God. And this is exactly what the Scripture is trying to tell us. This is exactly what God wants us to understand when He says in verse 1 of Psalm 127, uh, and it's related to the home, unless the Lord builds the house, They labour in vain who build it. See, unless God is involved, unless God is working in the midst of our efforts in conjunction with Him as we labour unto the ends that we do in raising a child, we realise that there are limitations and there are times when we, we just need God in the midst of the situation to move and we need God in the circumstances because only God can do what God can do. We are, and so this is a partnership with the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labour. We labour in vain. Who build it? And it says again in verse 1, Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Now what is God saying here? He's saying this. He's saying it's not wrong. For us, we, he says, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, we labour in vain. It's not saying that we don't labour. 
Unless the Lord watches, uh, the, uh, uh, sorry, unless the, unless, uh, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So again, it's, 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 we have to do that. But unless God is involved in this process, unless God is with us in this process, then we are bound to fail. We need God to accomplish these things and this is what the scripture is telling us because let's face it, in life we give ourselves unceasingly unto this end. We labour in vain. We, well, actually we labour just in life. We get up early, we, get, we go to bed late. How often we are consumed with the, with the needs and with the concerns of the family and as they grow up and as they grow older and, in the, and when they become teenagers and it doesn't get easier. The challenges become greater and the need for God becomes more prevalent. And so we, it doesn't mean that we don't need to act and do what we need to do, but we realise and we're forced to our knees and we say, God, you've got to break through. He's a 17-year-old girl on suicide watch, raised in Christian home her whole life. Now, we might ask how. I don't know what the circumstances are, but this I know, we need God. Because we can do all that we can do, but at the end of the day, we need God. And this is exactly what the Scripture is trying to tell us. We need His grace, we need His mercy, we need His power. Because at the end of the day, we just don't want to raise good kids. We want to raise children that are Christians, that love the Lord, that are saved and are serving the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul and strength. We're not out to raise good kids. The world is capable of raising so-called good kids. And how do you define good kids anyway? Because there's none good, none righteous. And so the human, that's the, that measuring stick is, is, is inappropriate. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labour in, in vain. Unless God guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Verse 2, it is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Or in other words, even though we do these things, we must be ever conscious of God with us. Because that's where we find the faith and the trust to at least try and find rest in the Lord. Because there are situations and circumstances that will and do arise that are beyond our control. And so we can move into the realm of anxiety and fear but yet it's in that moment that we must draw near to God and say, God, I commit... Because as we'll see, what children are, they're, they're, they're his ultimate, they're his children. In the sense that they are a gift from God as we'll identify in just a moment. So we're committing them to God's hands. So the burdens are sometimes so great, but we live in faith. And for so he gives his beloved sleep. And let's look at verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now, this is where we get, where we say, you know, children are a gift from God. And in which case they are, because it is interesting that the scripture says that, that behold, children are 
a heritage or an inheritance from God. Something that God in His grace has given us this ability, this capacity, this privilege of raising a child. And so it is a possession that is in our hands that is from the Lord. And it says also the fruit of the, of the womb is a reward. And that in the Hebrew is interesting because the word literally means it's a payment of contract. It's to, a, to be of a hire or a reward or wages or worth. So in other words, part of the contract of us being united as husband and wife, because remember, you don't have kids outside of marriage, Right? I know it happens, but that's, according to God's word, is marriage, it is sanctified, and then the inheritance comes, then the, 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 the blessing comes, and children are a reward from God. Now, this, comes, this Hebrew word comes from a root word, which means to, um, through the idea of temporary purchase or to hire them. So God is given to them as a loan. They're a gift from God and they're in our possession and God has granted them to us and we, uh, they're ours temporarily in the sense that one day as we raise them and tr- we must release them. That's a challenge. And so we must see it through the Word of God as it is written unto us this morning. Now look at what it also says. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the childrens of one's youth. Now let's just think about one's youth for the moment. You know, isn't it interesting, we're living in the world today that says, you know what, it's not about getting married and having children. It's about now, you know, my career. It's about me. It's about, you know, me travelling the world first and then, and then, and then. But God says marriage is for one's youth. Because the whole reality is this, God's created marriage not for when you're in your 30s. Now, I'm not saying that you may, you may have got married in your 30s and, and that's the way it happened, but I'm talking for those that deliberately have this philosophy that we find in the world that is a contradiction to that which is written in the Word of God. You see, when you develop... That's why, you, uh, you know, if you've ever noticed that uh, by the time you're in your... Uh, uh, early 20s or 20 or even earlier really, uh, but uh, you, can, you can reproduce. There are urges in men and in women. God's created these things and he's created in the confines of marriage uh, and marriage is for one's youth. And so that means some may, may or not get married. I don't know. Maybe later in life. That's okay, whatever the circumstances are. But I'm saying that let's not, the world says if you get married young, oh, what's wrong with you? Slavery, you know. Oh, Josh. Well, what are you talking about? There's no no better blessing than to be married in your youth. To share your life in your youth. You know, when I say youth, I mean in your whether it's a uh, whether it be a late teen or early twenties or mid twenties or whatever the case may be. When it comes. I got saved as a Christian when I was 18 years old. My wife uh, got saved when she was 17. And through a natural progression of serving the Lord, I was 21, she was 19, we got married. And you think, gosh, I still don't, I don't look that old now. 
But you see, even in my day, which wasn't that long ago, people looked at us and they said, whoa, you're a bit young. Should you really be getting married? Maturity comes with responsibility. And so being married at that age is nothing wrong with it before the Lord. That's where God, that's how God designed it. That's how God planned it. And so the issue of one's youth is significant as it's found here. So are the children of, one, of one's youth. And so let's not listen to the modern day uh, 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 thing where you know, it's all about women having children later in life you know, and sterilising their embryos because they've got to have their careers. Women do not understand God's plan for them in the world that we live in. This is not sexism. I, far be it. God has ordained and, and he's created men and women and we have a function and a purpose and a plan before God. And so, and not only that, those that, if you notice that those that are wanting to have children later in life, in their, now in their late 30s and 40s, they have complications. Why? I'll let you figure that one out. But what I'm saying is, there's only a window of opportunity for childbearing. Isn't that true? And for most women in their 40s, uh, somewhere in late, mid to late 40s or even after what thereabouts, that's it, they stop bearing children. So what, we, have, we start our family when I'm 40? No, I think it, God plans that you start it when you're much, much earlier. I shouldn't be sharing all these thoughts, should I? But it's true. See, it is a blessing from God. Now the scripture says, look at verse three, uh, verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Now I, as I studied this, there are some different thoughts that surround it. But to me, as I look at this, I look at the issue of like arrows in the hand of a warrior. What is God saying? Because we're talking about here now children. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So what is it that the scripture is telling us? And so what is an arrow? An arrow is a weapon. An arrow is something that uh, is used in the, for the purpose, for the most part, of, uh, of war. And so let's face it, uh, we, uh, arrows are ultimately uh, put in a bow and then they are released uh, uh, for their particular purpose, whatever that may be. Um, but let it be known that in this sense, uh, they are arrows. Children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And so we have the privilege of having these children that are like arrows compared to arrows in the scripture. And so we must shape them. We must prepare them because one day they will be launched into the world that is their enemy. And they must be prepared. They must be able to, uh, uh, um, to hit their target in a sense as we release them for their God-given purpose and destiny that God has ordained for them. So we're crafting those arrows. We're preparing those arrows. We're pointing them in the right direction. The Bible says in verse 5, happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. And so, a quiver, that means, uh, well, however many you want to put in there, but uh, the quiver is the home. And so we have uh, these children that are in the quiver 
But one day these arrows will have to be released because the truth is, is you can't keep an arrow in the quiver forever. I know people want to, <laughs> okay? But you can't. There comes a time in God's plan, the way God has designed it, when children must be released. They must come to a point in, and, uh, where they are released and they are, we've done everything that we can do to prepare the arrow and pointed it in the right direction. You see, the arrow will someday be free in flight. But where it lands, well, we cannot exactly determine that in an exact sense. But we can aim. And that's what we do. You see, arrows have different components. They have a shaft. They have feathers. They have a point. And if there's a bow in that shaft and it's released, it'll shoot off direction. Or if the point is not sharp, it won't penetrate and the feathers are not uh, uh, in place, again, that it will affect the flight. And all of these things deal with character of the child. All of these things deal with us pointing them in the right direction, showing them the target, what God's will and purpose is according to his word. And so we have, the, we have, to, we have to straighten that shaft because it is bent, because of that inherent sinful nature. So through discipline and nurture and uh, instruction, we are preparing that shaft. We are preparing those feathers uh, which to do with the character of the child that will guide that child ultimately throughout the course of life. And one day the day will come where we will release uh, that weapon into the world and what we are wanting to do is wanting to see uh, uh, our children uh, Christians saved, serving the Lord and bearing testimony to the God and his grace to the world that we live in. That's how it works. The point being their mission, that they would understand what the will of the Lord is and do it. And our, our involvement in this process of, is, is of extreme importance. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. Now what is the scriptures trying to tell us here? The the Hebrew word to train, up a child, train, it means to initiate. It means to, it, it also incorporates to dedicate, like we're doing today. We're dedicating the child. And we're dedicating ourselves to train up that child, to initiate them in the Word of God, to initiate them in the truth that is contained in this scripture and in this book. And so we are doing that in the process of time. The word train also carries with it, the, uh, has to do with initiating the child at the opening of his path. So in other words, we are with them, we are preparing them for the, for the life that is to come because we can walk them to a point and we bring them to the mouth of that path, to the, that top point in life where now we say, son or daughter, you are in a sense on your own. Not that we detach in that way, but we must let them now exercise independence and live to them, for themselves. We can't tell them uh, when they're 21 what they need. Uh, we can advise them and I try and tell them what to do. Don't, wrong, don't get me wrong, we never stop, do we? But at the end of the day, we now have to instruct, guide and we have to uh, help them in that process. But they now have to walk in that way. 
And so we show them the way of life. We initiate them into this path. And we've dedicated them unto this before the Lord. And this Bible says, when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so some have asked, is there a guarantee in the scripture? You know, can we claim the promise that if I do this, that we are guaranteed that the child will not depart? Well, let me say this. One man said these words. He says, the arrows in the hand so often becomes arrows in the heart. The arrows in the hand so often become arrows in the heart. Because the truth is, is in life, from what I have observed and I've seen, is that you can do your part, you can do it even successfully. But when that child begins to now engage in their own independence and their own walk and they want their own inheritance and they want to do their own thing, then ultimately we have to leave them unto the Lord. Because the truth is, is that they can make decisions that can hurt them greatly. Things happen. And I have observed in families and in people's lives the pain and the suffering that they've had to endure because their adult children have, have made certain decisions and done certain things, even with teenage kids. It goes on and on and on. Are you understanding what I'm saying this morning? And so, this can happen. And I don't see any scriptural guarantee against this from happening. But this is what I can tell you. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house. You see, my confidence is that God says, I am with you. When we pray, when we persevere in prayer, when we bring our tears and our heartaches before the Lord, God sees, because we dedicated our children to God. We gave our utmost to teach them, to train them, to instruct them, to show them. And then in a part, some part in their life they, they move out of that narrow path. They move off the path of life. And we as parents, what can we do? You can't now just get them and say, get to your room. Yeah, like, right, Dad? And so all of a sudden, now we are forced to our knees. We are forced to have to suffer long and be patient and pray and say, God, you have to do this. You have to intervene. You've got to do a miracle. But the confidence we have is that God is faithful, church. That God sees, uh, and when there are praying parents, uh, and when we have done what we've done in our, uh, in, in our dedication to God to raise that child, God sees that, he acknowledges it, I believe, absolutely according to his word, and he will orchestrate circumstances, he will bring that child to a certain point, and in his grace he will draw them to himself. And we pray that they would come unto salvation. But we are working unceasingly to this end. You see, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6, and I'm drawing to a conclusion, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, 
You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What is God saying? He's saying, uh, parents, teach your children my word. Do it every day when you get up, when you sit down for a meal, when you're sitting down as a family. Come back to the Word of God. Take every opportunity. When you're driving in the car and you're just going through the... Uh, you know, don't have... Uh, sometimes uh, turn the music off, turn the tally off, uh, turn this off uh, and talk uh, and communicate uh, and, be, and share with them the Word of God and put it into them. That's what God is saying. That's where the responsibilities lie. But let's look at, lastly at verse 5. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Blessed. Blessed is the one who has the quiver full of them. There's no greater joy than having children. Can you say amen? I mean, I, we produce this child. This child is me. In this child. And so there's nothing more the way God has designed it that is such a blessing. Children are a blessing from God. And they are to be a blessing to us, all families. But God is saying in this instance, um, uh, in the scripture, He says, They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Because I tell you, there's something about a Christian home. Now, a Christian home is not perfect, let's be real. Okay? None of us can stand here and say, oh, we've got it all together, because we don't. But you see, there's something distinctively different about us. And what is it? It is God. You see, I have four children that are in the public school system, and I tell you now, the world does not like... There are people in that school system, there are teachers... There are leaders in that school that they look at my family and despise everything that we are. Because, the, I mean, my children are all different. Some are a bit more reserved. Some are a bit more outspoken. But nevertheless, when push comes to shove, they'll stand up for the truth. And so in doing so, they project a testimony that somehow there's something distinctively different. How I think. And so people take note of this. And so, uh, you know, my I, I prepare my children and I instruct them and so they go into the, their classrooms and they stand up for the Lord. They declare the word of God. They stand up to the teachers who try to tell them, you know, about all the current issues. Let's be real, you know, gender. You know, they're getting them at 13 years old. Are you a boy or a girl? Like, hello? That's how insane it's become out there. Our world has lost its mind. And then we need our children to stand up and to, just to declare the truth and preach the truth, whether it's in relation to evolution or whether it's in relation to the current issues and social issues that surround our day to day. But we will train our children what to speak, how to speak and what they believe. And when the teacher speaks, then my children will say, oh, but no, 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 no. It really gets up their nose. But good. Because, you know, as, for all of that, I know that the principal of the school really admires our family. She's not a Christian, but she knows that there's something distinctively different. And what is it? Because all my children are, 
you know, they're not perfect, but for the most part, you know, compared to what they're having to deal with in the school, they're like, well, something's different about these kids. They actually respect authority. You know, they, they actually conduct themselves in a manner that it's like, I've, something's different. And it's the God factor. Hallelujah. And so, the scripture says, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Because people will ultimately identify when God builds the house. People look at it and they stand back and they say, what is it about your family that's different? What is it that's so different? Why are you the way you are? Oh, because, because I'm an Aussie. Oh, because oh, I'm Greek. Or, dare I say it, I'm Romanian. <laughs> No, it's because we are Christians. And that is it. The distinctive quality is God. Unless God builds the house, we labour in vain who build it. And so as we come before the Lord this morning to dedicate our children to God, to commit ourselves and dedicate ourselves to God in this process, we pray for his blessing. Amen? Let's ask that this morning. Father, right now in Jesus' name, We thank you, Lord, that your word is true. And we need you, O God. In the midst of the world that we live in, in the midst of the darkness, there are inherent dangers and challenges, Lord, to the rearing of a family. But God, you are with us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And God, we lay hold to these truths. And I pray, God, that you would help set an understanding in parents even this morning as we commit ourselves into this dedication of the children. And I pray that you'd bless both children and parents this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.